Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Mark, thank you for covering out some time and joining us here on the Saturday Show. How are you, sir? Oh, good, Jake. Good to talk to you and Michelle. Good to hear your voice as well. But wait, I was just coming in. Who's living off someone being miserable? Oh, Are there people like that? Oh, Who does you, that? You know, like <laughs> we, 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 our, our topic we were talking about is the situation around Will Levis and how this week during oh, yeah. in the lead up to the NFL draft, somebody on, got on Reddit, a message board of all things, and said that he's telling people he's going to Carolina with the top overall pick. But meanwhile, he slips into the second round, and they kept going back to him time and time again during that first round of the draft. And it's just like it, 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 you felt bad for the kid. Yeah, no, I, I was reading some things. I um you know, if you also, I mean, you do feel bad for any any student athlete and until he's not a student athlete, right, <laughs> going through that. On the same token, you know, 105, start every football season at this level, the hardest dang thing, and, and maybe on a good year, four, five, six, we'll get drafted and the rest just move on. So getting drafted in the second round to a team he may start at in the next year is not such a bad thing, right? But We'll see where it goes for him. But it's always hard when they focus in on those kids for so long, right? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely feel bad about that. Well, Mark, I think some some congratulations are in order for starts. Uh, Congrats on the AD of the year. That's incredible. Five years in at Utah. And uh, I think it's easy to say you have not had the easiest in some ways it's been the easiest job in another way it has not been the easiest job you started off with the Lauren McCluskey situation at Ty Jordan Aaron Lowe following that uh and yet this athletic department seems like it just keeps thriving even with some of some of the heartbreak just talk about that journey and and what it's been like having to deal with those situations but at the same time see this athletic department continue to rise well, thank you. First on the AD of the year, it's a little goofy, right? Because uh, there's just that's just a department honor in, in every definition. And, you know, you got such an incredible staff, 200-plus people, coaches and student-athletes, and we've had a lot of competitive success at the same time, you know, a lot of academic success. So it's a tribute to everybody um, and uh, probably another way for our department to have to buy a table at some event this summer. Maybe I don't know. But all, 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 of, it, all of it in there. But, 
You know, it, it, it is. I was just reflecting this week because it, it, someone had mentioned to me that the five-year period is coming up, and you do reflect on how fast it's gone, and you reflect on all the people uh, that have been around these last five years. And, and yeah, there's been some incredible moments. You know, I can think of many that, that you know, are memorable forever. And, and as you said very well, there's just been some tremendous tragedy that, uh, you know, that, that will stick to me and anyone that's been around, you know, f- for the rest of our lives. And, uh, you know, to to see, you know, the students have to go through that is, is just heartbreaking, the families. But at the same time, to watch the nets that we have in the department to, to deal with things like mental health and, and um, that really helped move everyone forward through all those circumstances you know, I think we're up to five mental health specialists, and they're unbelievable, and they're so good, and and the utilization rates high. So, um, you know, just we're blessed to be around a lot of folks that that we're able to come together. You know, you say family, you know, it it, it has to mean something. And I think we've been able to create that here, and and then just on the recent success, I think during COVID, that was another piece where because we had such high infrastructure on mental health and incredible coaches and a long time folks that have been here, you know, we were able to really kind of launch out like a rocket out of COVID. Um, and if you really look back, it's particularly, you know, over the, the league championships in the last two years, I, I think coming out of COVID and the way that it was handled by our students really is a key contributor, but it's been a great five years. I can't wait to see what we're going to do next because I think we're primed uh, to keep rising. Now, Mark, uh, the 22 Forever game was rebranded this year, obviously, in the memory you said of the difficulties of the situation with Ty Jordan, Aaron Lowe. Uh, can, a week removed from it, do you have any thoughts on how it went and ver- versus what you may hope it becomes in the future? Well, first thing I know is don't do your spring game on the same day as a marathon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was going to bring that part up, but yes, you're right. Because the emails would suggest we should reconsider that. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, listen, it, it, it is it is a, um, it is a it was just an incredible concept. Again, coming out of the football team, the leadership council, and the staff who have been so incredibly authentic in their celebration and remembrance of Aaron and Ty, and this was just another example of that. You know, to have all proceeds go to you know, to the scholarship uh, is, is, is fantastic. And, you know, we're very appreciative of, of everyone that comes and, and, and does that. So, no, we were, you know, I joke, we, the folks that were there, I thought were treated to a really, um, a really good event. Like anybody, you get to the end of these 15 practices and, and, you know, some folks are beat up. And so we didn't have everybody out there, which is, you know, like everybody else, but it was a great day. Um, got out relatively injury free, I thought it was a terrific spring. The practices I went to, the guys that I talked to, obviously talked to Coach Wood a lot about it. I think there was a lot of growth, just a really physical, fast group. I think that's what uh, folks are going to really see when we when we reappear in, in August. But another great step forward for the football program, and, uh, you know, it'll be here before we know it. You have – kind of a deeper connection to the University of Utah. This was just brought up to me. I did an article about Keith Embray, and he talked about how you actually have a very close relationship with Coach Ron McBride and his wife, Vicki, from your time at Arizona. I don't know that people necessarily know that connection. Uh, talk, talk about them and that relationship that you built. Well, first of all, Keith is just fantastic. I uh, appreciate you. You're going to do a feature on him. It, 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 he's just been a, another really key 
person who's come in the last few years and has just brought such dignity, such uh, intelligence to his role in, in EDI, but also just who he is and, 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 you know, how he came to Utah and he changed as a person and, and he's just incredible around our student athletes and coaches and just, just love him to death. So glad he's here. So, yeah. So in 1987, I needed to go to college and, but I needed to find aid. So I went to the university of, of Arizona. They had football scholarship deals. Right. And I wasn't a football player, but I'm like, Hey, they pay you to go out. So I, became a football manager my true freshman year, and I got assigned to this this rather interesting feller named Ron McBride, who was the O-line coach. And so I was his student manager, and half the things I probably shouldn't say publicly what he made me do, something to do with laundry a lot, picking up stuff, the things he'd leave, <laughs> leave behind. I'd go back and trace his steps and find it. So Vicky, of course, she just, she just would get such a kick out of all the things I had to do for Ronnie. So pretty pretty incredible when when the call came to to come to utah you know he was like the first or second person i talked to after and we were just you know crying and laughing about everything i mean how far you know we both have come and and so to come back and be around vicky and ron and the whole family it's just been such a blessing i mean you just look for these little god winks along the way and that's certainly one of those and and uh he's he's terrific and you know his players that come back all the time i mean they're just it's just I don't know that just the remarkable work he did, the the things he was able to do here. Um, you know, I I, I can't. I, I think people here get it, but I think I want to make sure more people understand that he was rem, a remarkable coach and a remarkable person here. Now speaking with Mark Harlan, Utah Athletics Director here on the Saturday Show on ninety seven point five FM DKSL Sports Zone, and Mark. Now is uh, the, the, the Power Five moniker has become a bigger and bigger thing. It feels like every year that this goes on. And we just learned this week about the expanded playoff, how it's going to look in 2024 in particular. Uh, do you, I guess, I'm asking you philosophically, do you like the idea of a bigger college football playoff in the football realm? Yes. No, very supportive of it. You know, have, have been somewhat vocal about that. Although I, when I was on the football oversight committee, I just stepped off, I think six months ago, I was on there for three years. I was mm-hmm. less vocal because, you know, you just got to be kind of chill about those things. But, but um, yeah, very, very uh, pleased and, and, you know, understand that I think greater access to that championship is better. You know, I'm also pleased with the way it's rolled out. You know, I'm not saying I agree with every little thing, but the fact that we can do, you know, opening games on campus, although very challenging in a lot of ways, and I'm on a little subcommittee trying to work through all that right now. But I think having more teams involved, and then quite honestly, I mean, I don't know if any of the ADs have said this, but it's just too true not to say it. You know, for our conference, when we went through such the tough the challenge with the L.A. schools leaving last June, you know, once the CFP expansion became permanent, you know, if there was other folks looking over the, the fence at other possibilities, you kind of got to recalibrate and rethink, right, because – now there's more access, you know, on, on most years, even without the L.A. schools, our data showed that, you know, that two will get in. If you got a 10 or, you know, conference or if we decide to expand or not, we'll figure that out down the line. It just it, it becomes a different calculus if you're really talking about chasing a championship. So that really helped kind of settle everything our league was going through. But I'm really excited about it. You know, it's been fun to look where Utah, you know, would have been seated. Um, and I think what did I see recently last year? Because we were one of the P5 champions, we would have had a bye. Yeah, been a four seed. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably saw the same thing. And I think it would, we would have played the winner of 
Tulane, Michigan. I don't know. I can't remember. Anyway, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's exciting to, to think about how it's going to be uh, moving forward. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. You kind of brought up some of the uncertainty about, you know, what's going on with the Pac-12, just college football in general. What's it been like for you as an AD seeing Utah athletics so focused and willing to achieve any level of success, even with kind of the outward noise that's going on? Yeah, well, that's a great question. You know, I mean, obviously it's been a very interesting year uh, in, 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 in the respect of so many outside of Salt Lake City, you know, Utah issues that, that our team manages here. And, and big decisions by others or big work needed to be done by others that are so important to, to our future. And I went through all of the iterations of this. You know, I call it post-June 30, right, the, the, the morning when we – I like that term, actually, post-June well, 30. what happened. Okay, I had just come back from I – th- I think my son and I had done a fishing trip or something, and I remember, I remember driving into work that morning I'm okay. thinking, man, things things are going really good. <laughs> I mean, I was I remember thinking that, and I because I'd been gone, I got up particularly early, and I remember, and I got a call from a friend of mine in the Big Ten and AD there, and he said, "Are you sitting down?" And I said, "No, I'm driving." He goes, "Well, call me back." So I had a two hour heads up on it, and I remember staring out the window, and like, "Oh my god, you know, <laughs> hey, what what are we what, what's going to happen here?" Called the boss, you know, did all those things I needed to do, but. That began the journey of, of, you know, being depressed a little bit, worried about our conference, worrying about how it's going to affect our department. But as you go through any crisis, right, you get around people that are smarter than you and you listen and you work your way through it. And you really, Michelle, get into your, your point or your question, you know, call all the coaches in. We talked to student-athlete leadership, like, who cares? We have all worked for this year upcoming we're going to get after it. We're still going to be these 12 for the next two years. You guys do your thing. Coaches, student-athletes, I think we could have a fabulous year here based on all our metrics. Go get it and let, you know, let the administration do what we're supposed to do. So try to set the tone that way. You know, control the controllables and, and move forward. And I think that's proven to be a good play. And as we sit today, you know, I feel good about where we're going. You know, we all want this deal done. You know, I do believe we're getting to that, that, that final time, although I've probably said that a few other times, but you know, we're, we're just, we're, we're just, we're not going to take any deal. We're just going to take a good deal. So I feel like hopefully we'll get that wrapped up and then we'll go in and and get after a a new competitive year starting in August. I think you just invented a new term, Mark, post June 30th syndrome. I think that's a perfect. (laughs) Love it. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Believe me, it is a syndrome. I can tell you for sure. (laughs) Well, okay. And you mentioned the fact that you guys, but your goal here, and you said, I think you laid it out there in that answer is you've essentially told the coaches and players, Hey, there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of people asking questions to you guys, but let us at the administration level handle that. Have to your, I guess, under your knowledge, have people been able to focus on that? Because to me, it seems like they have been able to narrow in on that and keep that focus there. 
Yeah, I, I believe so. I mean, you know, all of us in this business, whether we're a coach or whatever role, you know, you're, you're, you've got your head up every now and then looking out what's going on in the landscape. And, and, but I, I do think that they did exactly that because again, you know, all these league championships this year and, and, and the highly ranked teams. I mean, if, if you're not solely focused as a coach or student athlete, you're going to get walloped at this level. So I think they really have focused in on that. And certainly when there's questions, you know, if they're out on the recruiting trail and, you know, Hey, you guys are dropping to blah, blah, blah. You're going to go there that, you know, I'm able to, you know, we're able to get to, to make sure we have everybody with, with the information that they need. But I do think we've done a nice job of just focusing in, you know, and I talked to some of my friends that are big 12 ADs, you know, when they had Texas, Oklahoma go out a year ahead of us, you know, one AD there in particular is a really good friend of mine. And he, and, and he just said, Mark, just, focus your department on what's in front of them. Like, because the heat, they had some issues with that at, at, you know, at their place in the beginning. So that helped good reminder, just keep everyone focused on what they can control, which is working really hard. Don't miss class, coach your tails off, recruit your tails off and let's go get it. Mark, we really appreciate the time you've given us. I have one more question for you. Uh, And it's, it's more in line with, we're now starting to get into Utah has the Crimson Collective. We're getting we're getting very serious here about um, donations and funding, and that was something that you did at your last job at USF, and they are currently seeing the fruits of that labor uh, with a brand new football facility. Um, they're going to be building an on-campus stadium, which they have not had in the twenty or thirty years that they've they've been a program, uh, and now. Like I said, we're starting to kind of see this trickle into the Utah sphere as well. Why is donating or getting donations and funding so important, and especially now with NIL? Yeah. Well, you know, there's just there's a certain amount of revenue streams that come to a department that, you know, has to be self-sufficient, right? And so, you know, maximizing those opportunities that you have are, are critical, and I would argue, you know, the number one thing that I really have to watch every day, you know, our, our, our teams, our, our student athlete experience, um, et cetera, et cetera, only works with resources. So what's been so great here is the donors that have stepped up, whether we had to get the South end zone done or had to build a golf facility or had to increase our scholarship allotments, or we had to increase operational budgets, whatever it might be, our donors have been very responsive. I mean, I think we had, 7,100 Crimson Club donors five years ago, you know, now we're inching toward, you know, 12,000, you know, that, that annual funding is, is critical. You know, it's absolutely the money that allows us to go forward. I mentioned five mental health specialists. We don't have five mental health specialists without, you know, without donors. As far as the Crimson Collective and just the NIL, you know, what I've learned in this process is, you know, donors just need to understand you know, what, what, what they need to do to support us the most. And I've been very clear that this is a new day and NIL opportunities for our student athletes that are currently with us is a critical uh, piece of all of it. And I think what I've learned in all of this is that our place in that is, is we have to make sure we're, we're explaining that, you know, we're very clear on it's about our student athletes. We're very clear on, on our integrity and all of this, but it's, it's fair to say, and that's why president Randall and I did, put our put our support behind the Crimson Collective because the values are, are are lined up in that way. What I'm really excited about on this is that um, you know we've we've generated multi millions for the football program 
going into the launch of the Crimson Collective. And I think this is just going to supercharge, you know, the efforts, the kind of folks they have on their board, um, their leadership structure that's coming together. So I'm really excited about where it's going to go. Um, yes, there's national issues and, and how this has got into recruitment. And again, that's something for the ADs and the presidents nationally to continue to make sure that we're trying to do this the right way. But I love the story being told at Utah, a lot of authentic deals, a lot of, a lot of really good stuff going on from cross-country athlete, you know, up to almost 20,000 now in corporate support because she's out there pushing it to, you know, some of the top earners. Everyone talks about the top ones, but all the way through the organization. So I'm actually, I know it's counterintuitive a little bit. I'm actually kind of excited about the whole process. I know it's frustrating for our coaches that recruit when they run into some clear inducement issues. Um, and we just work through those as best as we can. But overall, um, I think the Crimson Collective is really going to launch us into being one of the very best in the country in this space. Well, Mark, I cannot thank you enough for carving out some time to join us here on the Saturday show. Hopefully we can do this again down the road, but really do appreciate you taking some time to join us this morning. Yeah, really, just let me say, I listen to you guys a lot on Saturdays. I'm out and about with I'm taking my son to baseball games, and, and, and I just think you guys do a great job. Both of you guys do your homework and, um, you know, really, really appreciate anyone in the business that does their homework and, and, and you know, uh, does really good work. So thank you and appreciate you guys inviting me on. Absolutely. We'll do it again soon. Thanks again, Mark. All right, guys. Thank you. Have a great Saturday. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.